So once a young girl asked me, because we were sharing thoughts on love, she said, why do we keep using the word pure love, true love, etc., etc.? Uh, isn't love enough? Why do we need to qualify it? And she had a point. Because if you really go into the, uh, into the origin of love and the mystery of love, mother makes it very clear that there are no two love, there is only one love. And it is divine. Love is a divine power which has gone into creation and they are not different types of love. But yet, there is a need to qualify it because as it enters into different vessels, it takes on their hue and color, their shape and form. And while I was reflecting on this, I was reminded of a verse from the Kathopanishad which revealed to me a new meaning altogether. We all know probably this particular verse where the seer describes, um, you know, how Vayu and um, light, it enters into different vessels and takes on their form. So the verse is, of course, the well-known Vayu Riyathaiko Bhuvanam Pravishto Rupam Rupam Pratirupo Bahisha. So it enters into the vessels and takes its form in you. So it's a very simple uh, and straightforward verse. But it means that all the forces in the universe, it's a way of looking at creation itself. And that's a way of looking at things from oneness point of view. We look at things from a divisive point of view. So we say, this is animal love, this is human love, this is divine love, or this is higher knowledge, lower knowledge, lesser knowledge, etc., etc. And it is valid for us because otherwise we'll be lost and confused. So we have to navigate in life. So we need to make these categories and mind being a divisive consciousness, therefore it needs to understand things through distinctions and differentiation. But there is another way of looking at the whole thing and that is the vision of oneness. And in that oneness we see that essentially all the forces that have gone into creation, they are one and owe their origin to the same divine source. But as they enter into different forms, they suffer the limitation of the form. So it's as much true of love as of knowledge and power and strength and everything that is divine. Peace, it's undoubtedly divine. But when it enters into creation, it becomes inertia. The moment we feel a little peaceful, we feel like, you know, going into inertia, not doing anything. Similarly with Ananda, it enters into creation, it becomes pleasure and pain. Strength enters into the lower nature, into the lesser forms and it assumes the form of rage, violence, which is a totally almost like an antithesis of strength. True strength is always calm. True power is always calm. The same happens with love because as it enters into this sphere of darkness, it begins to assume the same you of this domain in which it enters. So we have in Indian thought this story of how Gauri, the consort of Lord Shiva, the benevolent mother, easy and quick to please, ready to give a boon, out of her emerges Kali when she leaps into the darkness of creation towards the Asuric nature because she wants to slay them or destroy them or liberate them, depends upon how we look at it, she becomes Kali, the dark, the fierce mother, the terrible mother and yet we are told that she has the, more than anyone else, she has the heart of the mother, the love of the mother. It's a very intense and fiery form of love. 
So love in its origin is divine and of all the divine forces it is the one that has suffered the most because unlike other forces love identifies completely with that which it has come to rescue. Strength will put darkness below its feet and darkness cannot utter or mutter anything. Power will vanquish darkness. Knowledge will make it disappear. It will completely change it. Purity will dissolve it. But love alone is the power that will transform darkness. So it identifies with the darkness and brings it slowly, little by little, back to its origin. That is the labor of love. So in its origin, it is the power that binds all creation to the divine and thereby it also binds all creation in a single thread, in a single sutra. But since it's a very vast power, it needs a very vast consciousness to contain or experience this power in all its glory and uh, splendor. We have these wonderful lines in Savitri when Shubindu describes the being of Savitri. And there's a whole long passage describing why Savitri was chosen to become a protagonist in the great game of love versus death. This is the original war which is going on, original conflict. Death is all that divides and the ultimate gulf is between creation and God. Whereas love is all that unites. So therefore they are pitted against each other in Savitri. And there is a long passage in Book 1, Canto 2 where Shubindu describes how love comes to Savitri hiding the shadow death. And then the being of Savitri which is so full of love. And then Shubindu speaks in 2-3 lines, Love in her was vaster than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. Such was the heart. And actually we see mother uh, speaking of it in 71. Someone says, I want to bring my family also to Pondicherry. <laughs> and mother says, I wish I could accommodate the whole world here. <laughs> but since the resources are limited, therefore, <laughs> wherever you are, you follow the path and I'll be there. Because we cannot, there are limitations of material resources. But given a chance, given a possibility, she would like to accommodate the whole world because in her heart, she can do it. But physically, there are limitations. So love needs a very vast heart. And its very nature is self-giving because the original movement of love, in fact, from one point of view, we can almost say that the very act of creation, there are some metaphysical philosophies which say that uh, Creation is because of desire, particularly the neo-Buddhists. But it's not true. Shobindo repeatedly said creation is an act of delight and not desire. But one reason why creation has come into being is for the one to experience the power of love. Because love is there in the divine as an impersonal possibility. But this love cannot manifest unless there is another because love is that power which builds a bridge. So how do you get another? So divine creates many out of himself. Many which are miniature, miniature seeds out of himself. But to experience that power of love, he pours himself out into creation. Mother speaks of it in that beautiful story where she says that when these four first emanations came, and they were given the task of creation. Each of them felt that I am the ultimate. And therefore it changed into their opposites. 
and to rescue them the gods were created gods came into being to rescue this creation and the god said we can't go unless we carry with us the greatest power which resides in your heart so the divine mother pours out that power which resides in her heart and they carry that power that power is love so at one place very beautifully it has been said that if knowledge is the right hand of the lord and power the left hand the love is his heart so love is that power which has gone into creation to rescue it without love creation could not be rescued and to experience love creation has been created one can say that because thus alone can love pour itself out otherwise it remains inside without any experience and this experience of love which pulls creation out and takes it to its source gives another experience which is not possible in the consciousness of the one alone and it is the delight of union and the delight of multiplicity in the divine there is the delight of one but how do you get the delight of union and the delight of multiplicity that is possible only when there is creation so always we see love delight and beauty linked together they are interconnected this is the brief background of what love is the mighty power which continues labor in everything in stones there is love as the power of attraction between atoms and molecules without that there would be only chaos scientists speak about the quantum chaos there is no order there is no uh, no logic that works there no law that works there yet they are surprised that how this chaos changes into order and what is that power they are very close to that power but they don't know it because they don't have the experience of it and that power is love which suddenly changes the chaotic world of subatomic particles into something which is more orderly more organized it draws the electron and protons together and binds them so love is that power which binds and because there is love in the stones therefore you can even charge stones with the power of love you can gift stones and you know invoke that power of love you can turn them into a magical figure of uh, lord ganesha though you know it's very unfortunate the way they mistreat we'll talk about it later it's very sad thing one feels pity but yes the possibility is there that you can carve a god like form and make the spirit of divine inhabit that form because there is love inside the stone in stone it takes the part which brings the elements together similarly in the plant life animal life love takes another form the power of attraction through which creation serves its great purpose and in human beings it begins to take still higher forms the forms being comradeship friendship the even attachment at a human level these are all forms of that love takes in a human vessel so what's wrong with this love people often believe that human love is a obstacle in the path of the divine particularly when we take to the path of yoga and this question was asked directly to the mother we are very fortunate that you know uh, every possible question people have asked her so they asked her a question what do we do when human love comes our way of course i have heard this what mother spoke that time i'll read out but i have heard that whenever people approached her she said very clearly that do not crush love refine it 
because it's in its origin it's the same pure energy and she gives a very beautiful example that think of a pure crystalline water you take it from the source and then mix it with a container which has mud in it now water is still there and still it can give life see when you see the animals sometimes they are very thirsty and there is very few kind hearts to really give them some water so they lick water from the mud pools and they survive they don't fall sick they survive because you know at least water is there so same thing happens in the human consciousness that in its darkest level still it needs love for sustenance even the cruelest heart carries some drop of love otherwise it would not exist you know someone like hitler who was the cause of so much suffering killings i think uh, in front of hitler kansa and ravana look like saints and mm-hmm. angels and yet he was he had a great sentimental love for his cat and for his girlfriend these were two persons whom he loved he would weep if his cat won't eat now there is that point of love which was like a little source supplying him his need so humanity suffers if one can ask what is the greatest suffering today uh, suffering that civilization is gone going through one can say undoubtedly that it is because of the lack of love because an extremely egocentric civilization where we value knowledge we value success we value power we value money but what we don't value is something which really nourishes and nurtures us which gives us delight which gives us ananda which opens the door at least to delight at whatever level we are not talking of delight in spirity and that is love so if that diminishes in human heart it brings a lot of suffering and misery which then we think we will get it by having more power by getting more knowledge by occupying a chair but it doesn't work out people suffer i have seen uh, uh, again in my practice um, i had a strange experience of a very big man a very rich man in pondicherry a very um, uh, politically highly connected man who had come with his two children for treatment and very unfortunately the one of the i mean they were suffering from a serious problem and somebody in apollo had directed uh, him to come to me and he told me first thing that look you know i'll uh, i would request you to treat them but don't teach him anything about god so i said why why this is <laughs> he said no no because we are rationalists so i said fine i'll i'll teach him rationally about god he said no 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 you didn't get it doctor in our charter it is written that rationally we are rationalists we don't believe in god so i said see this is sounding very rational if you are rationalist then you don't talk about belief or not believe in god let's talk rationally he said no 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 please just don't don't talk about god other things are okay i said all right then i had a chance to meet uh, the mother of the children and she was suffering suffering much more than these children and she was not suffering from a disease but we are, she was suffering from lack of love she had no love in the family she used to pray to god and feel some solace no love there children had obviously obviously abandoned her and she was squeezed inside constricted in fact nowadays we also say that one of the causes for heart disease is a type of personality where there is lack of love so slowly we are coming to that point where we 
discovered that at the source of all things, this is the root problem and this is literally a civilizational disease. So yet, why is it called as an obstacle in the path of the divine? We come to this question more yoga specific. Well, uh, mother would say that um, anything can become an obstacle depends upon how you take it. Or anything can become a path depending upon how you look at it. So someone in Golkund once asked the mother that, Mother, should I stay here or go elsewhere to do sadhana? And mother gave a very interesting two-line answer. The divine is everywhere. The world is everywhere. The path is everywhere. It's, it's how we turn an energy. It's an energy which is there. Now in human beings, it is an energy which is degraded, deformed because of the human vessel. Now some people believe that by throwing the energy itself or by shunning it, by suppressing it, we can arrive. But it's like throwing the baby with the bath water. What we need to do is to refine it to purify it, to sublimate it, to divinize it. And what better opportunity than to go through it when love comes our way. So mother gives this very interesting example. Several places she has given and also the process. I just read a couple of passages. One is, she says, uh, therefore, the best way when love comes, in whatever form it may be, is to try and pierce through its outer appearance and find the divine principle which is behind and which gives its existence. So in whatever form, it may be love of mother and child or, you know, friends, it may be love of husband and wife, whatever form it comes, in countless ways it comes teacher and a disciple, so many ways. We must pierce behind the appearances and discover the divine principle behind it. Naturally, it is full of snares and difficulties, but it is more effective. She accepts it's more difficult. That's why people find it easier to shun it. But then the problem when we shun it is, Shobindo says something very beautifully in one of his aphorisms, to love God without loving creation is to give in an, him an intense but an imperfect embrace. Because there would be no purpose of creation then. If creation was meant only to eventually simply love God who is cut off from creation, then the purpose of creation, then we are following the same traditional path where we shun creation or take its utility only to reach a point where we break off the shell and just go and merge. But that is not the purpose. That's why the Gita also describes very beautifully that he who loves God, what is his sign? So you don't have to proclaim that I love God and putting a tikka, tilak, going to temple. These are not signs of the God lover. Sign of the God lover is, it gives two very interesting signs. It says he is full of maitri and karuna, full of friendship and compassion. You don't have to ask him. Nobody has to say whether he loves divine or not. The very fact he loves the divine, the divine qualities begin to enter into that person. So he is full of Maitri, Karunash, Evascha. This is one part. And second, very difficult. But Gita says the sign is that he is not agitated by the world and the world is not agitated by him. So difficult. You may not be agitated from the world, but to have that kind of a 
presence inside that the world is not agitated by you is not afraid of you doesn't feel anxious in your presence feel nourished nurtured so this is the kind of love that begins to dwell in the heart of one who loves god and this love begins to extend to creation all around now this is one form it takes very vast impersonal universal love for everything but is there a scope of even personal love can it take a personal form again shubhendra would say yes that is the reason why the psychic is here to create a kind of personal relationships out of the universality of the divine and we see that even when the divine comes into creation he has a vast universal love for all but he also enters into personal relations krishna loves all regardless of which side they are there but arjuna is his favorite the pandavas are his favorite and why is it so this is something which bali doesn't understand when rama kills bali bali asks him the same question you are a samdarsi all are equal to you why do you kill me and make friends with sugriv have you not deviated from samta and rama reveals that well in ignorance human beings form relation based on ego and desire in knowledge the relations are based on knowledge which is no more guided by appearances but for that we have to touch that principle she says it's more difficult and it's full of snares but it is more effective that is to say instead of ceasing to love because one loves wrongly one must cease to love wrongly and want to love well so simple so beautiful don't cease to love we just read those lines when we were testing the mic love must not cease to live upon the earth savitri love must not cease to live upon the earth for love is the bright link twixt earth and heaven love is the far transcendence angel here love is man's lean on the absolute doesn't matter in ignorance it will take ignorant forms let the energy remain at least the raw material is there it has to be purified so the process of purification is the same like purifying anything let's say we dig out gold from earth it's mixed with mud so throwing away love is like throwing away that gold mixed with mud saying it's dirty it's making my hands dirty yes but those who are experts can see that shining grain of gold and know its value so they carry that lump of clay what do they do next they sieve it so you sieve it and lot of grossness goes away so first step of purification is get rid of the gross elements the gross forms where love takes really extreme forms of possessiveness purely self aggrandizing ego you must love me you must give me this you must do this for me you must make this for me this is a very gross crude form get rid of it get rid of it of the animality crudeness next is after you have done it you wash it so washing again takes away lot of dross so what is that washing washing is done by the streams of divine love light peace entering into the system so love which is restless begins to become quiet restlessness of love goes away it becomes something like a quiet and subtle power after you have washed then you dry it how do you dry it through fire it's a process of gold purification so how do you do it well love which is human put that psychic flame inside it 
you know this subject is very dear to me the reason is i'll share it because you know, now that we are talking of the psychic one of my first visits to pondicherry i still remember i was in sports ground and we were discussing i was there maheshwari ji was there and couple of more people were there and i was just discussing with him that you know uh, why can't human love be transmuted into psychic love <laughs> had, whatever little i had read you know that it should be possible and uh, suddenly i saw champaklal ji coming from that side and there were a lot of people of course I didn't know anything. <laughs> he just said he didn't give me the answer because he said, "Ah, ye Champaklal ji is coming. Champaklal ji is coming." So I rushed there. I, I forgot. But see, the beauty is this question was there in my consciousness. I still remember when I went there. I was going to do pranam, and everybody came forward. No, no, no! Don't do pranam. He doesn't like it. But I still remember that when I was going to do pranam, this question was still hovering inside me. Why can't there be psychic love between human beings? I remember it very distinctly. It was a different kind of a moment, and sure enough, then I didn't do pranam. I just, you know, did like this and went away. Later on, I had a chance of having a close contact with Champaklalji, and that was a later issue. But this question was there: that why there is creation if ultimately we have to do nothing with creation? So the last part is where we, of course, the psychic fire must be awake. It cannot be done without that. it has to be applied persistently on all the points just as when uh, you know you see a goldsmith i had, as a child i used to go to a shop of a goldsmith and i would see that how he would hold the metal in front of him and keep on directing the flame at different points they so asked him like what are you doing he said no you see this part this part is not yet done so he could see that little dark spot and he would apply it till the whole thing would become shining metal so in every point let's say for instance someone says something which hurts you and you shrink and after shrinking we also say something which is as hurtful it's a reaction of the ego and that's what happens in most of the love stories that they start very beautifully and they end miserably pathetically <laughs> so when there is a reaction of the ego there is another reaction of the ego from another person so they both lost an opportunity to love truly and it goes on there is stiffening there is rigidity but because it cannot continue for a long time after a while it goes into the background and once again out of need necessity desire or whatever people come together and the cycle goes on and on till a day comes when people declare it's all illusion it's not possible and you know you love all love on earth is just maya but it's not true look at what shirvind would tell us this is from isha vasupnishad and shirvind reminds us what again whence then comes that love which is greater than life and stronger than death which survives the loss of beauty and the loss of charm which defies the utmost pain and scorn the object of love can deal out to it which he often pours out from a great and high intellect on one infinitely below it whose life is he describing but his own mm-hmm. if you look at the difference between shorvinder and milani devi infinitely superior intellect to that which is so much below it i mean if you have to use a human the lord would not look at it like this but where comes that love 
what again is that love of women which nothing can surpass it's a great tribute that's why in india we had the concept of sati they had found a root that love can take in human beings and they found that women can do it so what they did when the object of love which obviously will be in ignorance whatever destiny has given to your share so today we say change the object change the man change the lady change this but in olden times they had said turn it into a path so a woman by the power of love turned it into a yoga and it was such a powerful yoga that just by human love she could challenge the gods so in ashram when this movie was shown of anusuya where she loved her husband atri rishi to such an extent that she could turn gods into babes mother made a comment on after seeing that movie and she says only human beings can love like that and then she further qualifies only human love can touch these heights the gods cannot love like this and then she says why because there is the psychic being in human beings gods cannot love like this only human beings can love like this with such power in fact at one point shubindra says fidelity is a power which is a psychic expression of love even animals have it at one point shubindra says about one of the cat he says when this cat i'm forgetting the name of the he cat big boy big boy and big boy loves bite bite it's a physical love and big boy loves so and so cat it is a more emotional love when big boy loves this cat it is a psychic love it's there in shubindo's words so there is a love which even animals are capable of which is deep profound and animals are capable of leave it aside human beings which lives on neglect and thrives on scorn and cruelty whose flames rise higher than the red tongues of the funeral pyre and then he says people will say these are stories say not that this love does not exist and that all here is based on appetite vanity interest or selfish pleasure that is what death tells savitri you call it love savitri it's just a weak emotion it's a hunger of the flesh after satyavan dies after some time you will turn to other faces don't call there is no love on earth and savitri says no i know what you are saying you are saying a truth but a truth that slays and hear from me the truth that saves so she says there is a love like that and i embody it i know it that my love is not a craving of the flesh it's not a hunger of the heart so these are the egoistic forms and that's where the sadhak has to be conscious wherever it takes the form of for example intense vital interchange or a form where two being shut themselves away from the universe they are so happy with each other that they have forgotten god <laughs> they don't need divine that is dangerous obviously or where there is a vital interchange that is dangerous because it makes us addicted to lower forms of energy to pleasure and that is a step towards death but love need not be only this it's because we carry mud in our consciousness that we think love is only this you know i have a term for it mohalla mentality you know when we were in <laughs> small little village i have grown up there so when people used to say you know this boy is going around with this girl 
So I was a child. I didn't understand. Maybe innocence. So I said, "But what's wrong with it?" Later on, I understood that things can be like this or that. But the point is that it doesn't mean all love has to be that. There can be a beauty in love, which is something very, very divine and celestial. So Shyobindo says, "Say not that Rama and Sita, Ruru and Savitri are but dreams and imaginations. Say not. Now look at the beauty." Rama and Sita is love from both sides. Ruru and Savitri is a one-sided love. Ruru loves Pramadvara. Pramadvara doesn't love him like that. Ruru could sacrifice half his life. We don't know what Pramadvara would have done if the tables were reversed. Savitri sacrifices her life for Satyavan. Whether Satyavan was capable of that love, we don't know. So even one-sided love. Look at the perfection of Shyamendra's writings. and say say not that such a love doesn't exist so then mother says we continue for instance love between human beings in all its forms the love of parents for children of children for parents of brothers and sisters of friends and lovers is all tainted with ignorance so it's not just that only lovers we have a tendency to think oh only romantic love is bad wherever there is selfishness even parental love it's as you know harmful so she says all these are tainted with ignorance selfishness and all the other defects which are man's ordinary drawbacks so what should we do so instead of completely ceasing to love which besides is very difficult as shorbindo says which would simply dry up the heart and serve no end at one place he says that it means that maybe for the possibility of loving itself sometimes the heart becomes so dry and hard that it takes centuries just to open to the energy of love so she says that you know besides it dries up the heart so we say you love god we don't have love so how do we love <laughs> it's not a phrase that i love god to love god there has to be the energy of love because that is the love means self giving if i have not even learned to practice the basic self giving even to a human being how do i learn to give myself to the divine who will many times appear cold and aloof and distant who will not respond to my entreaties see what happens people live a whole life and when they are ill they say what has mother done to me that is because we don't know love one would say oh i loved mother but see i am ill if one loved then one would say like bulle shah that even if you slay me each drop of my blood will say ah thou alone thou alone but one is known not love so that's where she says which besides kills the possibility and serves no end one must learn how to love better which means human love is a training ground a wonderful training ground all love love for animals love for plants is a training ground to treat them with care with gentleness all these are expressions of love charity generosity then that energy becomes pure refined automatically it turns towards the divine because it has become so subtle is got rid of the gross elements got rid of those ugly passions those wanting cravings dependencies it it just goes away so quite naturally it will turn to the divine it is freed so human love is a training ground just like in military you say i want to serve the country 
Okay, I'll stand on the border. Yes, but first you go through the training. <laughs> You'll be shot with the first bullet. It's not enough to hold a gun. You have to know it. You have to go through a rigorous training. So human love is a training ground and a wonderful training ground. So what should we do? One must learn how to love better. What is that better love? To love with devotion, with self-giving, not wanting, self-abnegation. Once mother, somebody asked, oh, you know, I loved somebody and see this is the person has given me. Mother says, they speak of the rights of love, but the only right of love is to give oneself. So love when it takes a legal route, how dark it becomes. It changes into hatred, jealousies, all the dark fears, bitter drought which poisons human soul. That love is of course dangerous. And at one place to Dilip Kumar Raj, Shubindu cautions. He says, the reason why I caution against love is not because there is something against love. In fact, that's where he says that faithfulness, fidelity, human love, affection, friendship, these are divine things. But we want them on a surer basis. We don't like to see them broken at the first touch. That's why we caution the sadhak because in majority it has taken that form. So mother now teaches us the way. And to struggle not against love itself. So people begin to struggle. Oh, I am feeling love with this bad. That's not the way. She says don't struggle against it. But against its distorted forms. Against all forms of monopolizing. He is mine. How dare he looks towards somebody. She is mine. She was speaking to someone. This is the distortion. Oh, she must cook for me. Mother said, are they slaves? Nothing is required. Why should love is sufficient unto itself? Why should anybody do anything for you? You have your hands. Look after yourself. Love is not for these needs. It's a deep cord which connects together. It can strengthen. It's originally meant to strengthen each other's aspiration towards the divine. That is what is symbolized with the fire in the center. And mother has given that beautiful message. She gave a message to Auroville. As long as people love each other, they can live together. When they don't love, they can separate. No legal ceremony is necessary. So the person must have, you know, it's a very vast and big truth. So whether people are ready or not, so she called the sadhak, said, wait, wait, wait. Have you given it already? She said, no. Okay, give it with this message. So she gives a message. <laughs> and she says, to unite your lives together. And there she says that it's not enough just at physical, vital, emotional level or even intellectual level to be united. All this is good, very good. But you must unite yourself around the psychic fire. To walk together hand is in hand to the same goal at the same pace. That is the secret of lasting union. So she wants love to reach that point. Even in human consciousness. Then only the purpose of creation will be fulfilled. Otherwise it will be, again become a blank like traditional bhakti. Where people turn away from. In fact at one place Shurabindra has this to say. Men say they love God, but they do not love this creation. And then he questions, whom are they in love with then? What kind of God? So she says, instead of monopolizing, of attachment, possessiveness, jealousy, and all the feelings which accompany these main movements. So love is the power which sets the person free. That's why they say the greatest and the last act of love is, where you love fully, 
but you set the person completely free no demand no expectation and if imagine human consciousness can practice it at a human level how rapidly it will take one into the divine consciousness otherwise we'll project the same issues onto the divine oh mother called so and so did not give me time mother had more time with so and so she smiled at this person touched that person mother is only mine others are parias you know it can take such forms because it's the same distorted element but when you have practiced true love we are using again now the word true because love in its purity then we know that mother is not just mine the whole creation is hers and whatever i receive from her i should be full of gratitude my work is only to love not to count what she has given me and if i can give each breath of mine love her till my last heartbeat how beautiful life would be so this is where she says to try it with with of course she is talking of a human context not to want to possess to dominate and not to want to impose one's will one's whims one's desires not to want to take to receive but to give not to insist on the other's response oh i love but the person doesn't love me i am so unhappy i am so unlucky unfortunate one would rather say perhaps i am fortunate god has taught me <laughs> capable of loving truly so not to think of all that of course unfortunately we we learn all this by the time we are 60 or 80 <laughs> nevertheless better late than never but be content with one's own love not to seek one's personal interest and joy and the fulfillment of one's personal desire but to be satisfied with the giving of one's love and affection and not to ask for any response simply to be happy to love nothing more now this is the path and that is why we say even within the ashram context that's why many people you read the letters you read from here and there some places with some people mother and shobindu were very categorical break off because when they saw that love is taken something very dark of course we use the word love to mean all these things something dark something crude something pure vital then they would say cut off but when they saw that it can take a beautiful form they would quietly let it flow and grow so it dependent it depends see gives again further way the first step is to stop being selfish this way is simple and the hardest thing to practice the simplest thing to practice in a way because that is something we can always do wherever there is a my need versus the other person's need at the other person's need take precedence and not to suffer oh see i had to crush myself no if there is love why should why would one feel that for everyone it is the same thing not only for those who want to do yoga but also in ordinary life if one wants to know how to love one must not love oneself first and above all selfishly one must give oneself to the object of love without exacting anything in return so this is a good uh, repartee to those who say first one must love oneself well one loves oneself that's why one suffers 
But there is a deeper meaning of loving oneself in the highest sense. That's a different thing altogether. That's where what is meant when Yadnavalk was asked, you know, how does one love one's wife, children, etc. He says, not for one's own sake, but for the sake of the self. As is the self, so is the love. If our idea of ourself is a small, narrow personality, our love is also very small, narrow, egoistic. If the idea of ourself is of being a divine child, child of the divine mother, then we treat the other person also as child of the divine mother. How dare we mistreat another child of the divine mother? She or he is our equal. We cannot mistreat. We cannot start demanding, imposing ourselves because we are all equal, children of the divine mother. This discipline is elementary in order to surmount oneself and lead a life which is not altogether gross. As for yoga, we may add something else. It is as I said in the beginning, the will to pierce through this limited and human form of love and discover the principle of divine love which is behind it. In everybody, Narayana dwells. So we will be able to love that divine presence inside. In whatever form it comes, it's a big challenge. But in yoga, we are asked to do difficult things and not easy things. Then one is sure to get a result. This is better than drying up one's heart. Categorically, she says, not to love, to cut off. That is a path some people like to take. But this path is better to love truly, to love divinely, to love beautifully, to love unselfishly. But she admits it is more difficult but more complete. It is perhaps a little more difficult but it is better in every way. For like this, instead of egoistically making others suffer, well, one may leave them quiet in their own movement and only make an effort to transform oneself without imposing one's will on others. How do we make others suffer in love? By wanting to change others according to what I want them to be. We make them suffer. Sometimes people do. You must do this. I expect this. It's only natural. No. Why do we do that? Love doesn't make anyone suffer. I change myself. So that way the energy of love, which was mixed with mud, the sieving, the washing, and the purifying, the drying up, now it is ready to be changed into an ornament. This is the last step of the purification. After gold has passed through all this process, then you can make an ornament fit for the Lord. So if you want that energy to become fit for the Lord, and it's a kind of worship. It's a whole path. Because then we allow this energy, for that matter any energy, strength, knowledge, anything. When we remove it of the dross of ego, desires, then it becomes ready for the Lord's. Lord. You know, we offer something beautiful to the Lord. Which even in ordinary life is a step towards something higher and a little more harmonious. And then one more small passage we will read. Yes. Because often we say, okay, fine. But then probably there will be what happens to the vital which takes so much joy in love? What, what do we do with it? 
does it mean that it will remain very impersonal something very inside nothing expressed outwardly now here mother speaks of it the vital is an indispensable agent in this she is speaking of love as in all manifestation but as has happened always the adverse powers have put their hold on this most precious thing so people feel that okay love is fine okay now i purified this energy there is no demand no expectation but then there is this giving how what form does it take the moment you give you will need the vital and the physical expressions care now care will have an expression which is you care for someone someone is not well or even when the person is well you will make certain gestures to express this care we see mothers so caring to for even the animal kind for the plants for even material objects so it needs the vital and the physical but as has happened always the adverse powers have put their hold on this most precious thing it is the energy of the vital that enters into dull and insensitive matter and makes it responsive and alive that's why the first forms that love takes is just the impure vital because it at least makes matter alive but the adverse forces have distorted it they have turned it into a field of violence and selfishness and desire and every kind of ugliness and prevented it from taking part in the divine work so that's where the root of the problem lies so love is like that beautiful grain of gold and covered with husk of the vital so what does one do the one thing to be done is to change it not to suppress its movement or destroy it again she is reminding us don't do that because then you again when the vital dries up that's why when people they go through in a you know adolescence they go through heartbreaks they go through dryness they go through you know the vital goes on strike it's no more interested in life because the vital has been hurt so it turns inside and goes into depression because the vital is has become a field of the adverse forces but frankly speaking if one loves someone nothing and nobody can stop you from loving only thing is it should become beautiful and pure not something which is dark expecting wanting returns that's what happens to the vital and that therefore it suffers for without it no intensity is possible anywhere so vital will come but it should be a strong calm and beautiful vital the vital is in its very nature that in us which can give itself away that is the capacity of the vital it can give itself without anything in return we have beautiful examples in history of such love just somebody was telling me this the you know we have those ancient love story and how they are celebrated so even in these tales what heights they have touched they may not have known the way so someone tells uh, you know the story of shiri farhad and all these so they tell uh, farhad that you know shiri is so dark she is dark i sure you love her he says you see her dark because you don't see it with my eyes when you see my eyes then i look at the vedas as the luminous background in creation and her dark complexion is like letters of the vedas which you know shine out against that background make the truth come alive to me what is missed out in the blankness of creation what a powerful 
way it is. So she says that, you know, vital can do it. It's not yet psychic. But even at a vital level, it carries in itself this capacity to give itself. Just because it is that which has always the impulse and the strength to take, it is also that which is capable of giving itself to the utmost because it knows how to possess. It knows also how to abandon itself without reserve. The true vital movement is the most beautiful and magnificent of movements, but it has been twisted and turned into the most ugly the most distorted, the most repulsive. And now she says, lest we, to make it very clear and obvious, wherever into a human story of love, there has entered even an atom of pure love. And it has been allowed to manifest without too much distortion. She's not even expecting <laughs> that it will be free of Without too much distortion, we find a true and beautiful thing. She says very clearly that wherever in a human story of love, that's why you should see Rudu and Pramadwara's love is a vital love. It's not a you know deep psychic or spiritual love. That is Savitri's love. That Shubindu writes much much later. And yet in that love, how Rudu is able to give his whole life? He says, Yes, take my whole life, but I want Pramadwara to come alive. So vital love lifted to what levels? And that's what makes the story beautiful. It is vital love. And yet that story is you know, uplifted to great heights. Same we see in um, another Shubindu's all his love poems. There are a number of them. And all his longer poems on love are remarkable. Another one is Ulupi. So we all know of Ulupi that Arjuna goes and marries Ulupi in, um, in Manipur. And she's a Manipuri warrior princess. And after one year he comes away and they have a child. But Shubindu picks up that portion of the story which... Of course, no one knows or talks about the night when Arjuna is to leave. Arjuna is to leave next day morning, and the night, and Ulupi is recounting that you came into my life, and you must go tomorrow. And Shubindu brings out the heights of her love. She loves him, doesn't want him to go. She says, "This one year has been wonderful for me. I cannot imagine ever in my life this year returning, and yet you must go because hero." You are born for great deeds. I would not be selfish to tie you with my small and narrow love. I must set you free. And when you read through this, that whole passage, you wonder who is greater, Arjuna or Ulupi. Arjuna, the great hero who must move ahead, or Ulupi, whose love sets him free. But Arjuna says, I don't want to go. He loves her so much, fondly. She is a fit match for him in many ways. She is a warrior, princess. And uh, yet he must travel on and she sets him free. So you know she says, wherever this enters. And then mother makes it very, very practical. If you love me, I love you. If you don't love me, I don't love you. This is just the most human expression of love. This is the kind of love which is not healthy, which is painful. Even if it is not healthy, it will bring pain because you are expecting. And it goes still further. They apply it also to their relation with the divine. This is what happens when people have not practiced it. When they turn it to the divine, they say, Oh, I thought divine will do everything for me. Look what has he done of me. 
made me a beggar, snatched away whatever my family life and whatever things I cherish is taken away. And they say he loves. If one learned to love, one would say yes, he loves. They say to the divine, if you do what I want, I shall say that you love me and I shall love you. But if you don't do what I want, then I won't think at all that you love me and I certainly will not love you. That's how it is. That means that it becomes commercial. There is a beautiful poem of Sri where he speaks of different, there are number of poems on love. So in one of the places, Sri says, What you could give, you gave me. I mean, it's not Sri but like a poet, he's bringing out different aspects. So he's talking in third person, but as a first person. Somebody who has loved someone who just gave for one month a brief smile. And Shubhinda says, What you could give, you gave me one brief smile. And one month you went around me and near me. Now, if I bargain it, then I would have a shopman's heart. That's not love. He says, you gave what you could give. I will give you what I can give. Immortal love, unfaded by death. He says, you could give one smile for one month. That's your capacity. I'll give what I can give. Love that is immortal, which doesn't die with death. And you know, It's a powerful poem. There's different shades of love. And then she says, so what really is true love? And what is better still is not to ask oneself whether one is loved or not. One should be absolutely indifferent to that. And that begins to be true love. We started with true love. This is true love. You don't ask whether you are loved or not. Because one loves, not at all because one receives a response to one's love or because the other person loves you. All those conditions, that is not love. Love the mother. It doesn't matter who she is, what she is. You just love her. There is no ifs and buts. Yes, she is omnipotent, omniscient, fine. But it doesn't matter at all. You love. Why? Because you feel it. That's the end of the story. One loves because one cannot do otherwise but love. One loves because one loves. One doesn't care at all about what will happen. So people who say, first tell us in this yoga, Shurabindo did not, uh, this is a misunderstanding, did not get supramentalized. So if I start on yoga, so my answer is very simple. Please don't start at all. You don't start. <laughs> don't calculate, ask so many questions. They better not start. <laughs> Stay where you are. <laughs> <laughs> you are not compelled to start all these calculations. Tell me what I'll get at the end of the journey. What is end of the journey? <laughs> the delight of being with the divine surpasses everything. What is supramentalization? Nothing before that experience of being held by the divine mother always in her arms. What more one wants? So, <laughs> she says, one doesn't care at all about what will happen. One is perfectly satisfied with the feeling of one's love. One loves because one loves. Whether she is here, she is not there. Of course, we know she is here. What I am just saying. These questions become irrelevant. Is the mother here? If not she, who is the one who is taking care? So you tell them, look, 
she was she is she will be she takes care that's the end of the story how do you know you know it because you feel it how do you feel it through love all the rest is bargaining it is not love so this is the beauty and magic of love we close with four lines from savitri what is savitri such a wonderful book mystery and magic of course is the poem of love the lyric of love that waits through time shubindra describes it in savitri itself it's the lyric of love that waits through time so it ends with this message people ask what is the message of savitri and there are big lectures when savitri was asked in savitri what is the message of savitri <laughs> you tell us the essence of your life the magic of this wonderful change how you have been able to rescue satyavan conquer death we see that everything has changed after you have come the king's life the queen's life satyavan's life you have brought magic how you have done it tell us the secret what yoga you have done what power you possess so savitri gives this wonderful message one of my most favorite lines awakened to the meaning of my heart this is not part of a long speech this is the four lines that savitri speaks at the end and these are the only lines dialogues the last one awakened to the meaning of my heart that to feel love and oneness is to live not to feel it to be as good as dead awaken to the meaning of my heart that to feel love and oneness is to live and this the magic of our golden change is all the truth i know or seek o sage